the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to chapter 19 of Genesis, it is a very sad chapter, but inevitable nonetheless. God will not tolerate sin indefinitely. And here we see what happens when he comes to the end of his rope with sin. Sodom and Gomorrah is judged. Along the way, we'll learn about Lot a little bit more as well. This story is played out for us again in chapter 19 of Genesis as we focus in on the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and lessons to be learned today. We invite you to join us for today's broadcast of Study Verse by Verse. You'll find us online at highlands.us. A lot of information there as well as past programs. highlands.us. For now, here's Pastor Leighton Sheely with today's broadcast of Study Verse by Verse. Well, at the end of the previous chapter, um, the, Abraham and, and the Lord were standing on the mountain looking down over the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the valley. And then when the conversation was complete, God uh, went away. And, and uh, about the same time, uh, two men, two angels, uh, walked into the city of Sodom. Now, depending on the location of the city of Sodom, which is uncertain because it was totally destroyed. Nobody really knows where it was. Uh, The angels would have then traveled between 20 and 40 miles in just a matter of minutes, which obviously couldn't be done on foot by mere humans at the time. Uh, In chapter 19, Abraham is going to learn in the words of his own question, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the answer to that is that God is righteous and just. And it was essential for Abraham to understand and believe this with all of his heart, both because of his position in uh, the history of salvation, but also his responsibility to teach his descendants to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. So come sunrise, he was going to understand God's righteousness in a very clear and comprehensive uh, way. The angels paid a visit to Sodom and Gomorrah. These were twin cities that controlled a lush, fertile valley through which ran the Jordan River. Uh, these were top population centers uh, that were the economic hubs for everyone who was living at the southern end of the valley, and they were probably enormously wealthy, and that probably showed in their architecture and art, but they were also known far and wide, even among their contemporary pagan idol-worshipping communities, of their immorality and wickedness. They were notorious for that. Now, Scripture never names one particular kind of sin as the reason for God's judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. In fact, we read last week that they had just completely given themselves over to immorality of every kind to such an extreme that God made a unique example of them. However, the name of Sodom is usually associated with a homosexual act, which, by the way, Sodom was not exclusively guilty in this regard, but it's no coincidence that the narrator chooses to illustrate the depth of depravity 
of this city by highlighting their desire to rape an innocent stranger, innocent strangers. And this was merely a singular uh, representative sample of Sodom's evil. So the passage explains why God reduced an otherwise idyllic valley to a, a salty pit of rocks and dust and a sea that to this day cannot sustain life. Now, many preachers like to steer away from sermons about God's judgment. Um, And let's face it, people would rather hear about God's love than God's judgment. Um, We'd rather hear messages that are encouraging and uplifting. And, And in its own way, the message of this chapter is encouraging and uplifting. It's uplifting because it encourages us to be thoughtful and zealous concerning the development of our relationship with God, lest we end up like Lot. It reminds us of what we have been saved from by grace through faith. Now, this kind of subject created a dilemma for for good pastors because good pastors love people. If they don't love people, they're not going to make good pastors, right? So uh, they love people. Uh, which means they probably like to be loved by their people, and people have a tendency to choose what they like to hear from their pastor and so forth. I think that's one of the reasons why some pastors choose to go topically instead of expositorily like we do here at Highlands and have for many, many years, where we go through the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter. And when the, cha- when the, when the Bible talks about things that it, it, it are confrontive to us, then we want to know what the Bible has to say because it's God's word. We need to know what the Bible says. We want to know the truth. I don't think you folks came today to get your ears tickled. I think you want to know the truth of what God's word uh, says. And, um, and so uh, we're, we're going to be speaking what the, what the Bible says, but we're going to endeavor to do it like Jesus would do it. Uh, in the first 18 verses of John's gospel, uh, Jesus is introduced, and he's introduced and described not once but twice as being full of grace and truth, which means he spoke the truth graciously. And so we at Highlands always endeavor to speak the truth Graciously, and we're going to endeavor to do that today. Now, the importance—it's important for us to read this passage because it highlights two kinds of believers: those who follow the model of Abraham, and those who follow the model of Lot. And it's important to understand where those paths lead. Uh, this chapter records the sad consequences of Lot's spiritual decline. And after this chapter, he passes off the scene. He's not mentioned again. Uh, in Genesis, while Abraham's story continues. And so it communicates that Lot's life became less and less significant while Abraham's became more and more significant. Abraham was a friend of God, but Lot was a friend of this world. And the contrast between these two men are easy to see. Abraham was a pilgrim and a stranger only passing through this world. That's why he chose to live in a tent Lot gradually abandoned his tent and settled down inside of Sodom. Instead of keeping his eye on the heavenly city like his uncle Abraham, he looked towards Sodom, moved towards Sodom, and ultimately moved into Sodom. And when we begin our study of chapter 19, we realize he is at the gate of Sodom, meaning that he is a man of some authority. You see, in the ancient Near East, the gate served as a sort of city hall. 
and it was there that the city leaders gathered to debate issues, conduct business, and resolve disputes. And so this minor detail reveals that he is no longer an ordinary citizen. He's now become an active part of the politics and commerce of Sodom. Now, why would Lot choose to align himself so closely with a city that was known far and wide for its wickedness? Well, who knows? Maybe he thought he'd be an influence on the city. Maybe they might repent and follow God. But whatever Lot's original intent must have been, the influences of that culture made a marked impression on he and his family. And because of his compromise, rather than him influencing that city, that city influenced him. That culture influenced him. Now, if Lot had gone to uh, Sodom because God had directed him, there would have been a divine purpose in that, and he would have been a blessing. For instance, God put Joseph in Egypt, and lo and behold, he turned out to be a blessing there. Daniel in Babylon, Esther in Persia. But it wasn't a matter of God's leading. It was a matter of worldliness. And worldliness is not a matter of where you are, but the condition of your heart. And Lot's heart was in Sodom long before his body arrived there. And no doubt he got his first love for the world and the things of the world while he was in Egypt with his uncle Abraham a number of chapters back. Now, it says that only two angels visited Lot. And in the previous chapter, we knew there were three, and the third was God. And one scholar has suggested that God didn't come to visit Lot because Lot, he couldn't have fellowship with Lot and his family as he did with Abraham and Sarah. Even though Lot was a believer, and we only know that because of what the apostle Peter wrote in Second Peter chapter 2, even though Lot was a believer, his life was such that the Lord did not feel at home with him. You see, it's only those who are sanctified believers who enjoy a close walk with God and communion with the Lord. And Lot did not have that. He he didn't live in a tent and he did not uh, build altars to the Lord. He did not desire fellowship with the Lord. Now, that is an introduction. Let's take a look at this chapter verse by verse. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they answered, we'll spend the night in the square. So obviously then the angels showed up, but they didn't have halos and wings on at the time. They came through the gates looking like ordinary men, although they probably looked like, well, good-looking ordinary men because of the problems that it caused later. To offer hospitality to traveling strangers was a part uh, considered a duty and privilege in Lot's culture, and that is true even today. And even though the strangers here appear to decline Lot's offer of hospitality, it's not to be understood as necessarily a rejection of it, uh, but rather as a customary uh, conventional manner of accepting by degrees. Um, A quick acceptance of hospitality was considered in Middle Eastern cultures as being impolite and ungrateful. In fact, that practice really kind of goes on even today. Somebody might say, well, Pastor, I'd like to do such and such for you. Oh, no, no, thank you. No, really, Pastor, I really want to, I'd like to do this for you. Well, you know, I I don't want to burden you. No, no, Pastor, I really want to do this. Well, if you insist. 
you know. Uh, so it's, it's a practice even uh, considered uh, today. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. And before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called a lot, where are the men who came out to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Now, note that the sin had contaminated the entire city because it says here expressly and specifically young and old. The young were taught that this was acceptable behavior. And they shamelessly stated outright what they wanted. They had long ago lost their ability to feel any kind of shame. And it's apparent also that in Sodom, all the men eagerly and regularly participated in communal rape of visiting men. This was a common practice in Sodom. Or maybe it was no longer against the law to rape. I mean, if you want to fix crime statistics, you have two choices. You can either reduce crime or you can reduce what's considered crime. In Sodom, you were either predator or prey. Very dire consequences for living in that city at that time. And sadly, there are many cities that we could probably think of, you and I together, that would fit that same bill. This has been Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. Thank you for joining us. More information and directions to the church, if you would like to join us this Sunday, can be found at highlands.us highlands.us. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday for another broadcast of Study Verse by Verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.